but like all the DMX music, everything that was on the radio, like he was in a way he was a, a big voice of New York, and like there is no New York City rap without DMX, you know. I think like a lot of other Black people in the United States, uh, I have no faith in in the system. Uh, I I don't believe that it protects me. Uh, at this point, it's not just the cops. It's the people that are putting guns in these cops' hands and turning them into murderers. I mean, me and my cousin listen to a lot of Stormzy, you know? But oh. I know there's way more talent out there, you know what I mean? It's something that I got to dig into. I grew up literally like seven blocks from where Biggie grew up. Well, I grew up literally 10 blocks from where Jay-Z grew up. So it's just like, I'm I'm really from there. This is DJ Semsex. This is the Hip Hop Raise Me podcast with Kota the Friend. And yo, Kota, am I pronouncing that right? Yes. <laughs> All right. All right, Kota, listen, I appreciate you taking the time out to do this. But first and foremost, what I want to know is how you got the name. How did you come up with that? Because to call somebody a friend, like, that that means something more than ever before. Because, you know, we're in a cold world. There's a lot going on and everything else. And a friend, like, the significance of the word friend now is probably um, important than ever, you know, given the times that we're going through and what's been definitely what's been happening in the U.S. as well as the U.K., so yeah, how, how did you come up with the name? Um, honestly, I just wanted to, as an artist, I wanted to be somebody that was relatable and, you know, understanding and kind of like, you know, transparent with the people. And so I always felt like, you know, you could always use a friend, you know, and and I feel like I want to be a friend to the people that listen to me. I want to be somebody that, you know, uplifts them and helps them through tough times and always has good intentions, you know? That's dope. That's dope. I mean, what what, what got you into into rap in the first place? What what made you start rapping? Um, well, me and my cousin started rapping when we were young, just like trying to emulate people we saw on the TV, like Jay-Z and, you know, Nas, DMX, uh, and then Kanye came out. And it's like... We were always into hip hop culture just from what we were around. Like our older cousins were listening to rap. And so we started writing raps, like literally from the point where we could write, you know? And um, as, as time progressed, I just always was interested in it. And by the time I got to college, uh, I, I spent, I did a year in college and um, I just was like, yo, I want to do this for real, you know? All right. I mean, Yo, the, the the passing of DMX, um, yo, that hit me, man. Like that that hit me differently. And and I you know, I never met him, but like as a DJ, I've been blazing his his music in clubs for years and everything. So it was just kind of, you know, it's is definitely hurt to, you know, um see what went down and stuff and he, he's he's always gonna be missed and everything. But you know, if you being from New York, like you know, to yourself, like, was there any music in particular of his that meant something to you? Um, well, uh, people, I think online people have kind of said that 90s kids came at the end of his, like, kind of, of his streak. But for us, like, 
DMX played an important role in the hip hop game, like literally from the from the time that I could remember. But I think my favorite joint, um, my, it's like it's like this, the stuff that is it, so crazy because it's like right now it's like I'm drawing like this weird blank, and uh, but like all DMX music, everything that was on the radio, like he was in a way he was a, a big voice of New York and. Like there is no New York City rap without DMX, you know. Mm-hmm. I hear that. I hear that. You, you, you're saying about you know the whole thing about you know born in the nineties and listening to hip hop. What 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 or who meant the most to you when you was coming through? Like which artist really really resonated with you more than anybody else when you was coming through? Um, I think Jay Z resonated me with me more than anybody else because my brother was a big fan. He's five years older than me, and so I was always like stealing his CDs, um, and really listening. And I was really studying Jay's cadences and you know his style and his flow and his wittiness. And you know, and it's not just Jay because Nas. Like I, I used to listen to people, and um, you know, I had I had phases. There was a time where I was listening to all Jay Z. There was a time where I was listening to all Nas, Biggie, Tupac. Etc. So um, it's just I, I was really just immersing myself in anything that I could find that was hip hop, and it was a time where I just listened to Lauryn Hill straight through. Like so, uh, New York hip hop was like really my main influence. If it was from, and I I don't think that was purposeful. I don't I don't think I was doing that on purpose. It was just like that. These were the people that uh, I related to because they were talking about streets that I was familiar with and they were talking about you know things that I was familiar with because they were from where I was from and so uh anything that was New York hip-hop I was like I was binging (laughs) from Brooklyn New York right yes sir so that that must be crazy because there's so many great artists there's generations of great artists that have come from those streets it's like I mean for me as a as a fan of hip-hop like when I used to like fly to New York and, and just hit, I just I just used to hit the boroughs just to see what was going on and like see all these streets that I'd seen rappers that I know and love like rap about and everything. For me, it was it was totally surreal. Like it was really, it was always a trip. I mean, what was that like for yourself? Like if you're growing up in that area and you're starting to rap and you're seeing all these guys that have literally lived, you know, not that far away from where 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 you live. You know, um, I know Brooklyn's a big place, but. No matter no matter where you're from in Brooklyn, you know, when a Toys B.I.G. or Jay-Z or Ducam Click or whoever, you know, came from, it's like you're not that far away from it, right? Yeah, no, nah, like I I grew up literally like seven blocks from where Biggie grew up. Well, I grew up literally ten blocks from where Jay-Z grew up. So it's just like I'm I'm really from there, you know what I mean? And I think listening to them talk about it it made me feel like it made me feel seen you know what i mean like yeah like i know what it like when biggie says 88 on gates national initial name plates it's like bro like i gotta get i gotta walk through gates avenue to get home you know and so it's just like even as a youngin i would always hear that and be like yo like you know something in me feels like important you know i feel like like all of these people in the world are listening to this music and this is where and this is where we come from you know and it, I, th- I think it gave me a lot of confidence as a kid that wanted to like, 
you know, make raps. Because it's like, yo, I could talk about, you know, I could bring it like even more hyper local and talk about where I'm really from. And like, even though I'm from blocks away, I could talk about what it's like over here on Myrtle and in Washington. And, you know, and these are these are my streets. And so it made me want to like, it made me want to tell my story and my side of what what Brooklyn is to me, you know? Dope. It's dope. And, and you, you know what I like about what you're doing is, is very, is very, very, you're in your own lane. It's very different to what everybody else is doing. Like there's a lot, there's, you know, the, the spectrum of hip hop is so huge, but what you get exposed to is kind of like one or two styles. And it's like, you know, for someone who may not have heard you before, they, they wouldn't, unless they hear what you're saying in your raps, they wouldn't know that you're from Brooklyn. Like the Brooklyn thing's associated at the moment with the whole drill thing and whatnot. And then, you know, the, the other side of hip hop, it's like the whole drip thing or the whole wave sound or whatever. But you, you're in a very, very unique wave. Like you're in your own lane. Like, is that a conscious decision or is that just you doing you? Yeah, I think it's just me doing me. I feel like if people actually listen to my music more, they would you know, really hear the New York influence, you know? But I'm the thing is my I, I what I'm taking from New York, what I'm taking from uh, I guess the history of New York rap is like the real rap, you know, and not I'm not necessarily going with the wave that is New York City rap right now. Like mm-hmm. when when I'm rapping, you could if you're a fan of hip hop in, in the nineties and the two thousands, then you're probably gonna be a fan of me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like because is I'm really I'm taking directly from those cadences and those rap styles, you know. So it's just like, yeah, I'm from I'm from New York City, you know. I rap rap like I I can I can rap with the with the best. I feel like you know because yeah, yeah. I have I feel like I have like I've learned from Jay Z and I've learned from Biggie and I've learned from Nas to the point where if you put me on a record with either one of them guys, it would be like yeah I would fit, you know. And what I want to do with, with music and with hip hop is just literally take that same style and those same cadences and elevate it with, you know, new sounds and new styles. Mm. I'm, I'm not, I'm, I will never veer off completely from that because that's, those are my roots and it's always going to show up in what I'm doing. And I think by, by mixing the old school New York City um, rhyme schemes with like the new school sounds and the new drums and just creating something different, um, I think by doing that, I am creating my own lane because I don't think a lot of New York artists are really doing that. I feel like, mm-hmm. I feel like, um, like people like in like Chicago, uh, like the the sound that sound is getting so you know popular because, um, like they kind of they did it in a more organic way where it kind of just they they took the old and they mixed it with the new and they made something dope and that became mm-hmm. a new sound like popularizing in Chicago. And I feel like um, I do the same for New York City. And I would love for a new sound to arise out of New York that, you know, mixed the old, brought it with the new, and always show love on what it was and what it is now. And and it didn't, doesn't have to be drill, and it doesn't have to be the drip and whatever is current. It could just be something new, but at the same time still showing love to the old. Stoke. Mm. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. 
The Seven from The Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The Seven every weekday. So follow The Seven right now. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. We're a new show breaking down the anime and pop culture news you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to bring something like this to life. Yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to (laughs) pretend that I don't right now. Hold it in, hold it. And our current faves. Luffy must have his due. (laughs) And we agree on some things, but not on everything. Oof. I remember, what was that? <laughs> say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. Listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. I like that the most recent album that you dropped, To Kill a Sunrise, like, again, it ties into everything that we, we're saying right now. Um, and and even for you to connect with Static Selector on this, even with him, it was it was kind of different to what he normally does. It was like a different vibe. It was like a different wave altogether. Like, what? How did that? How did that come about? Oh, me and Static have been talking for a minute about doing something like this. Uh, we've done a few songs here and there, but we've always been talking about doing a full project. And um, at some point this year, at the beginning of the year, I was just like, bro, like I think I'm ready to really. And um, he's, I, I pulled up at his studio. He played me a whole bunch of beats. I took him home and it was just like that. Oh, wow. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. I like the track Wolves. And you say that you were brought up by the Wolves. Like, how? I say I brought up by the Wolves because it's like New York City and Brooklyn, especially. Well, that's all I really know. But it's kind of like a every man for themselves kind of situation. But at the same time, you grow up in in your own um, pack, you know, where even though it's it could be doggy dog at sometimes, it's like, you know, there's loyalty in a pack and mm. everybody goes about things a certain way. So if you if you want to do things different, then you really can't be part of the pack, you know, because everybody is kind of like. Everybody has an idea about how they're going to get the food, you know? And so when you got your own idea about how you're going to get the food, you have to you have to branch off and do something, do what's best for you. And the thing about, I say, I'm, you know, I, brought, I was brought up by the wolves and I parted from the pack, you know? It's just like, I feel like I took the more dangerous route, the more like scary route by just kind of doing my own thing and not necessarily... Even now, I don't really stick to a squad. I got friends and everything, but I mainly move solo. And so, mm. um, it's the best I, way. By doing that, it has its risks. And but the thing is, the 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 rewards come with the risks. And like it, it made me tough, and it made me strong, and it, it helped me endure a lot. And because I can endure that much, I'm confident in my future, in my you know skills, and all that. Would it be safe to say that, like, having that mindset reinforces the the strength of the art? Like, does it just make it more, like, give you that extra focus? Yeah, I say um, there's no 
there's no reason to be anything that I'm not because it's it's, it's literally free music, you know. Mm. Uh, it definitely strengthens the art because it's just me, and it's just that I'm telling my story and I'm telling it from my side, and I'm just I'm just giving them the real, and so I feel like it it gives kind of like more credibility to the art doing it my way, you know. I I, I could talk to you all night about your lyrics, right? Because every single track there's lines where you say things which which is so dope and it's like it's they're quotables in their own right but i, I just picked out a couple because like honestly it would be a whole night but the line where you say i am proud i am black there's nothing i can't do it's like it's, it's almost reminiscent of something that was said in the civil rights era like when james brown you know said i'm black and i'm proud and it's like and it's got i'm not saying you took it from that but you, you, it's like it echoes that and you, you kind of it's like you flipped it and brought it to like a 2021 version. And it's it's a dope message. Like, again, it's like you don't, it's not something you hear that much in rap, like an overt dope line like that. It's sick. You know, it's, it's definitely something that people need right now, you know? Right. How are you finding what's going on in America right now with the whole situation um, with the police? Because from over here, to us, it's crazy. Like, it's, it's just mad, man. It's just to see like, it's like it's non-stop. It's like just when you think, okay, you've got some kind of resolution on what's going on, and it's just like it just happens again, like week in, week out. Like, like yeah. your perspective, like when, when, when do you, how do you think it could ever stop? Um, I think that you know there has to be a change to the system. You know, uh, I think the the system in the United States has to be uprooted and recreated you know like they need to reimagine what it is to have a justice system because justice only works for a certain group of people out here and we all know what group that is so um i i just i think like a lot of other black people in the united states uh, i have no faith in in the system uh i i don't believe that it protects me uh at this point, it's not just the cops. It's the people that are putting guns in these cops' hands and turning them into murderers. Like, you know, it's, um, uh, at the end of the day, every police officer is, you know, chosen by somebody to be in that position. And every time that, um, every time that a cop murders somebody and there's no consequences, they're just continuing the cycle because racist people are noticing that cops get away with the murder of black people and cops get away with the murder of anybody. And I feel like people are now in like they're now signing up to be a police officer so that they actually can murder somebody, you know, because this is what they really want to do. And I think that it's going to be a cycle that's never ending. The more that justice is not served, the more murders will happen. And, you know, cause people, people see an access point doing all of the negative things that they want to do. If they want to murder somebody, if you really want to murder somebody and you don't want the consequences, what are you going to do in the United States? Be a cop. Like, because if you just kill somebody on the street, you're going to go to jail. There'll be repercussions. But if, you know, if, if you're a police officer and you have a badge, you might just get, you know, fired and that's it. Not going to jail, and um, I think it's a sad reality of the United States, and I think it'll stop as if you know police officers actually pay for their crimes, you know, and that's 
literally the only solution. But the more it keeps on going like this, the worse it'll get. When when do you think there's gonna be a point where people are just like, you know what, enough is enough? Because I, I thought we kind of reached that last year with the George Floyd situation. I thought because that, you know, and I'm saying I'm saying this from the perspective of someone out here in the UK, like that 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 situation woke up, it affected the world, you know. So from again, I'm just saying, like I'm just talking to you from someone outside of the US. It's like it's just it, it's just it. What what's gonna happen next? Like how long, you know, what how? Yeah, I don't know what it's gonna take before. There's only so much people can take, right? Yeah, I think, I think it, it won't change, bro. Like until somebody in power wants it to change. Um, either that or things start blowing up. You know, the right, the right buildings start blowing up, and the right people start dying. Um, like. I think if poor people dying in general, if it's just us, then it'll never change. It has to be like like important heads start to ro- roll and quote unquote important. Uh, like it, it doesn't affect you until it's in your backyard, you know? And so I don't know what it's gonna take, man, but the United States, you know, it, it comes, it has a very dark past. And right now that past is kind of like rearing its ugly head and you can no longer sweep it under the rug because people have iPhones and Instagram and Twitter and, you know, you can't stop it. It's coming, you know, it's everything is coming to light. So mm. I hear that. I hear that. Why do you actually call it to kill a sunrise? It's a, it's a funny story. Uh, we were actually in, uh, in static studio and to kill the sunrises. And, um, we just, one of my friends just really, uh, came up with his name. He was like, yo, to kill a sunrise, to kill a sunrise. So when we actually broke it down, we were like, that's a dope name because it's like, uh, you know, there's a whole bunch of people that want to, you know, take away the light and take away your light as a person. So that's why we, we called it to kill a sunrise. It's like people really trying to kill a sun's rise, you know what I mean? But, right. but it can't be stopped. Oh, the whole and that's the whole point is that you know you can't you know so i like the joint um the cold and there's a line where you say i, I play my new shit but they're still dissecting my last shit like yeah. it, it does, does it does it get frustrating sometimes when you still when people are still catching up with stuff that you was on like years ago that you was creating years ago no i think it's i think it's beautiful um I take pride in my old music, you know? Like, I think a lot of people, a lot of artists are like, nah, listen to my new shit, you know? But I love it when people discover old stuff, you know? Um, I feel like I make as much music as I make because I feel like this is my purpose for, you know, being here right now. Right now, my purpose is to just make music and put it out for people to enjoy and be inspired. And so I'm never selfish with, with the music. I always keep it coming because I feel like a deep sense of, of um, responsibility, you know? And mm-hmm. uh, so I never get frustrated. I always just be like, yeah, where you, I, I appreciate when people point out the old stuff because it's like, it, I don't want that music to be forgotten, you know? Mm-hmm. I hear that. I like the new joint outside. Like, again, it's, it's hard again. Like, every, every, you know, everything you do is dope and there's a depth to it. And, 
you know, you you've got them kind of lyrics that make you press rewind, just you know, decode what you were saying, you know, like furthermore. Yeah. But but who's that on the chorus? Um, that's my that's me and my son. So <laughs> my son so, does a little bit. Yeah. So how how how's that like? You know, you're in rap. There's a lot of positive elements. A lot of positive positive aspects. There's also the more negative and you know th- there's a context for that and everything else but but how is it like being a father and you know you 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 make a conscious effort to like put the positive element in your music because well your 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 music is is totally positive bro I, it's got that feel good vibe to it it's just if you are going through it on a certain day just put on one of your projects and it's like you know what I mean? It's like it's gonna help you get through. Hey, like, where's that come from? How how do you manage to put that throughout your music? I think it's from times in my life, you know. And uh, I've always highlighted and tried to the the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, and even in the darkest of times in my life, I always made the most positive music. I I try, you know. Uh, I try to keep the story going and show people that it gets better, you know. So even when my life was hard, I always try to make the next project project even more positive in some way than the last one, you know, because I want to show a story of growth, you know, and um and like positive manifestation, and like I always looked at music like it's a very spiritual thing. So I would never, I don't think I would ever put out a, a project that was like rooted in negativity. I feel like. My first couple of projects that, you know, a lot of people have never even heard, they have more of those, more of the dark aspect that I leave out of my newer music because that's, it, it shows the progression. It shows like that things get better. Uh, the more you, the more you try and the more energy you put into your, your spiritual and emotional growth and all that. And yeah, I want people to listen to it and and be in a better place. There's a lot of people that hit me up and tell me, yo, your last project really got me through a tough time last year, like seriously. And for me, that's the best compliment, you know, because if I could help anybody out, it means a lot to me because like a lot of times I needed somebody to help me out, you know? And so the fact that I could be that for somebody else, satisfaction. And lately I've been listening to my music and I've been really, you know, I've been reading a lot and learning a lot and, you know, doing a lot of self-reflection. And now even my music makes more sense to me than it did a year ago because the things I was saying, I wasn't necessarily taking my own advice. And now I kind of, I listen and I'm able to kind of like take in my own music in a different way. And it's just, you know, spiritual. Where does that influence come from? Is it is it is it like the church? Is it family? Is it like stuff that you're reading? Um, yeah, it's stuff that I read. Uh, I've been reading this book called uh, I'm reading this book called The Body Keeps the Score, and it's it's been it's been helpful in you know my own journey. Uh, but yeah, books re- books will really do that. You know, movies. You know. Uh, and just life. If you're looking for a smoking gun, I can absolutely guarantee you, you will not find it. In October 2001, a series of letters filled with a deadly powder called anthrax were dropped into the U.S. mail system. 
What started as an unprecedented case turned into an unsettling mystery. Who sent these deadly letters and why? From Campside Media and Sony Music Entertainment, I'm Josh Dean, and this is Cover Up Season 4, The Anthrax Threat, available now. You may have heard of the podcast Juicy Scope. Wondered what it is? Why aren't you listening? Well, I'm its host. Created it. Been doing it for seven years. I'm Heather McDonald of Juicy Scoop with Heather McDonald. Now, I could tell you why you should be listening to my show. But my listeners wanted to write the ad for me. And here are some of the things they said. Not your regular Juicy podcast. Catch up on all the juicy topics from Hollywood and pop culture to true crime and beyond. Heather McDonald's Juicy Scoop always has great guests, great laughs, and great gossip. It's a comedian's take on the hottest headlines. Juicy Scoop is the pop culture news you want to hear. No BS, no filter, no filler. Raw, real, and in the moment. Throw in the hilarity of amazing comedians that you will instantly be obsessed with, a juicy crime story, and a dash of normal life in L.A. moments, and you've got yourself an amazing week of Juicy Scoop. Two episodes every week, every Tuesday and Thursday. It will never let you down. How did fatherhood have an impact on, on your life and what you're doing? Because it's dope that you're involving your son in the music like early, you know, it's it's um it's the realest thing you could do. Yeah, my son plays a big role in everything in my life. Um uh he's the reason why I work as hard as I do. Um a lot a, a big part of my spiritual growth and my emotional growth is based on balancing family and work and my my own self-preservation you know uh it's like finding that balance and he he pushes me to do so because he's so important to me you know he pushes me to be the best version of myself because when i'm with him i want to be 100 percent present i want to be the best dad that i can possibly be and so because i want to be the best dad i could possibly be i'm at the same time, trying to be the best person and always working harder to be that. And even when he's not around, trying to make decisions that are going to make him proud of me, you know? And and so he, he just makes me a better person, right? That's dope. That's dope. Well, look, the new joint outside, that's about to drop real soon. Like, what, what what's next after that? Is the new project on the way? Like, what, what can we look out for? Yeah, I'm most likely going to drop more singles. Um, in 2020, I, I remember saying that I just wanted to drop a whole bunch of music and I did, but still not as much as I wanted to. And I feel like this year, uh, I just want to really flood the streets with music and I want to go into summer just like really going crazy and have so much music out that it's just nuts and, um, and good music quality. Not just, I'm not just dropping anything. I'm really taking my time with it. And so, yeah, I'm going to put out an album. Uh, in summertime, I'm going to put out some singles before that. And after that, I might just put out something else. You know what I mean? Just like drop some old music. But it's going to be a good year. I mean, it, it, over here, we're starting to open back up. Like festivals are getting planned, getting booked. I'm getting booked for shows. Like it looks like, it looks like, it looks like September and October is going to be like the new summer, basically. Because that's when it looks like everything's going to be popping off out here. You got any plans to come over here to the UK or the rest of Europe to do any kind of shows or anything? Yo, that would be dope because I'd rather be over there than be over here right now, you know? <laughs> so I would love to be in the UK and do some shows, man. I, 
international shows is something I really want to do right now. All right. Yo, let's try let's try to hook something up, man. Like I've done a few things out here. Um, you know, I brought Joey Badass out here for his first show, Pusha T, like a whole gang of people, like, you know, let, let we should connect, man. Try to make something happen. That'd be dope. Bro, let's do it. I might be I might be boycotting shows in the US if if it keeps on going like this, you know, seriously. So let's talk. I hear that. I'm seriously thinking about um doing a boycott of shows in the US, you know, because of just the way everything's going out here. It's like I yeah. feel like I feel like in a lot of other um countries, you know, people take a stand, like artists take a stand and I, for some reason in the US because everything is driven by the dollar um it doesn't really it doesn't really work like that and so I want to because I'm independent I want to be one of the first artists to actually be like bro I'm not performing in a country where we do this to our people you know and um so the, I'm bro when I tell you like I want to do big shows out in the UK and in Paris and um and uh in Berlin and all that, like I'm really, I'm really thinking about doing an international tour, just, just international. <laughs> I hear that. And then, are you, are you aware of what's going on over here in the UK? Is there any artists that might have caught your ear? Because it's kind, it's kind of like we, we kind of got our own kind of like rap renaissance going on out here. There's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of artists that are starting to pop off and do some some dope things. But is there anyone that may have caught your ear or that you're paying attention to? I mean, me and my cousin listen to a lot of Stormzy, you know, but oh. I know there's way more talent out there, you know what I mean? And it's something that I got to dig into. Uh, yeah, that's I'm definitely interested in, like, learning more about UK rap because I know they're doing some dope stuff, bro. Yeah, it's crazy, like, the way that it's just blown in, like, the last five years is, is, is really a different day out here. So, But there's still a massive, massive thirst an appreciation for US hip hop as well. So um the the last show that I saw out here before the lockdown started was Wabi and Corday. He he and like his his fans are, the show that I went to was crazy. It was like it was yeah, it's it's for every style of hip hop there's a fan base, you know, no matter what style you're doing and everything. So it's like I said, there's a there's a very, very strong appreciation out here for what you guys do over there and what, what our own guys do over here. So all right, well, let's get like I'm trying to get out there ASAP. You feel me? Yeah. All right. Well, look, let's hook something up, and then outside, that's going to be dropping in a minute. Brand new banger. Um, is there anything that you want to let your fans know worldwide? Because you know, a lot, a lot of people have been talking about you for a minute, and I think it's only going to get bigger with what you're going to be dropping this year. Yeah, I just want to say thank you. I want to say. Um... You know, thank you for everything, for streaming my music during the pandemic, uh, for every time you bought an album, every time you watched a YouTube video, uh, it means a lot. And I will be all over the world doing shows, and I can't wait to see everybody and really connect with y'all on a different level. I know I've dropped so much music in the past year and a half, and there's more to come. And so I promise it will be very special and we're gonna do crazy stuff internationally you know and it's gonna be i'm gonna i'm gonna make sure that every ticket is worth it you know so i mean that's 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 how that's how some of the legendary artists did it back in the day like again you know i've been studying some of what james brown did and 
you know, I read the Quincy Jones autobiography and, and he was saying like a lot of jazz artists, like back in the day, they just focused on Europe rather than the US and everything. And they popped up over there, if not before or as much as when they were in, in, in the US. But it's like you, you, you could, if you get right with the right promoters, like you could, you could really do a dope European tour. Like, and, and it you know, that'd be sick because it's, it's almost like, it could end up being a thing, you know, the boycott tour. Like, it could end up being a whole thing that other artists start doing. Like, it could be a whole network or whatever. It's a crazy concept. Yeah, seriously, man. Like, I, I even, I want to make it even bigger by, like, wherever we go, we put on artists that are in that area. You know what I mean? And, like, yeah. it's like, we want to do kind of like a traveling festival where it's like, if we go to, if we go to Germany and we do a show, it's like, we'll we'll have, like, six artists from Berlin opening for me, you know, and have a mm. whole day. Like we have giveaways and, you know, gift bags for everybody type shit. You know, it's like a real, yeah. a real like where it's just like, yo, that wasn't just a show. That was like, that almost, I almost feel like I came from a festival when I saw, I saw mad talent. I learned about mad new artists and I got to see my favorite artists perform, you know, yeah, like yeah, yeah. we want to make, make an experience. Like, and that's why we want to do a lot of less shows but shows that mean more to the people, you know, and that's the plan. So that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like when we come to UK, I would love to, I would love to work with you on something big. We want to do something, yeah. bro. You know, definitely, definitely. Just to touch on that, like as an artist, right? You know, we all found out at the same time. You know, this time last year, like that the world was going to be on a lockdown and everything else. How was that to like actually see that your music was being streamed or it was popping, you know, as normal or if not more than ever before? Because I feel like people needed music to listen to more than ever. You know, was that did that was that inspire you or encourage you more? Or was it like a relief? Yeah, it, I mean, I was always a a music first kind of artist. You know, I always focus on the music. Like, I, I know what it feels like to not be able to afford a. Uh, a concert ticket, but I can listen to an album. I can pay ten dollars for an album. Remember back back in the day, it was like you get the CD, you know. Mm. So, like all my life, music for me has never really been at a concert and seeing this person live. Music for me and for a lot of my friends who couldn't afford those luxuries was you know listening to your favorite artist on on a train and you know on your walk to school and so. Uh, for me, the most important thing is always the fact that people are listening to me on their way to work, on their way to school, in their bedrooms, you know, while they're cleaning on a Sunday. Uh, and so that just inspired, that definitely inspired me to even make even more music. Because right now people are really, all all they can really experience is listening to the music the way they, they normally do. So now I'm I'm really inspired to even make just make more music and oh and flood the streets with music so people have that to comfort them in in dark times so they can feel good even better in happy times it's like as long as they have the music I'm happy. That's dope, man. That's dope. And listen, Cole, it's been it's been real dope talking to you, man. It's like I said, your music is mad inspiring. It's it's mad positive. I'm a fan. I'm fully on board. So like anything you're doing or just, just just send it to me, whatever. Like I got you over here and then yo, just just keep putting out them positive vibes to the whole world, man. It's needed. All right, thank you, bro. Be safe out here.